welcome to a grad chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I am your host for this week's a grad chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and Postdoctoral Affairs, as well as CFRC. So thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or CFRC podcast. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Today, though, I would like to introduce you to two colleagues of mine in the office right now, Francisco Zebeda Druillo, who is doing a PhD in cultural studies under the supervision of Dr. Palamores, and Hewitt Abebe Mequinant, who is doing a PhD in law under the supervision of Dr. Ashwani. Welcome to a grad chat, both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Colette. Now, this week, I wanted to talk about opportunities that graduate students have during their graduate journey. We all know that for the specific degree, there are certain academic requirements, such as comprehensive exams and ultimately the thesis and defense. But there are other opportunities that graduate students can sign up for if they wish to. So we're going to talk about some of those opportunities today and why they, or as in the grad student, should consider them at all. But before we go on to that, it'd probably be a good idea to get a bit of background of our two interviewees today. So Francisco, you are an international student doing a PhD, of course, as I said, in Canada and are here with your family. So where are you from? Why study in Canada and at Queen's? And why was it important for your family to be with you? And then at the end, what are you actually researching? And I could do those questions again, just as as you go along. So the first part is, where are you from? I am from Mexico, uh, specifically from from Chiapas. It's in the south of Mexico. And we came with my family in 2018, just before the pandemic, I came to study a master's in religious studies. Okay. And the idea of coming to Canada started as having an international experience as a family, because both my wife and I in the past live in different countries, but we thought that it would be interesting to do it together as a family. Right. So when we started to look for for options for for studying, I started to look options and and I found this program at, at Queens, the the Masters in Religious Studies, and it was amazing. So I decided to to start to investigate, and we came to the city before applying, and we okay. fall in love with Kingston. Oh, so there we you said, go. We said, this is the place. We want to be here. <laughs> so it was a combination of the program, this the side of having the international experience and, and this beautiful city and the right. lake and everything. Yeah. And then but then you decided to stay on and do your PhD here as well. Exactly. When when I was doing my masters in the middle of the program, one of my professors suggest me the idea of doing the PhD in cultural studies because here in, in at Queens we don't have religious studies. But cultural studies is 
is a program where you can study from many disciplines. It's, it's an interdisciplinary mm-hmm. program. And, and yeah, that, that, that's how it started with the suggestion of, of one of my professors. And so exactly what are you researching? Uh, I studied the relationship between culture, religion and politics in Mexico in the 20th century. Okay. So specifically, I study the imaginaries of political leaders who have shaped the formation of the Mexican nation in the 20th century through constitutions. So I study the diary of the base of constitutional processes. Right. And then I study social movements that in, sometimes react or are developing around those constitutional processes. Uh, and I focus on, on social movements. Right. So I try to understand how these imaginaries of the political leaders and the imaginaries of social movements interact and sometimes contradict themselves. And I also track the evolution of these contradictions and interactions. I always find it interesting when you, an international student comes here to study in Canada and then their research is on something from back home. But, <laughs> but maybe that's a good thing. So you're sort of away from everything else that's going on, so you can really get focus on on what you're yeah, studying. Yeah, it, it it gives you distance and perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there there are many Mexican scholars studying Mexico outside, mostly in the United States, but some here in Canada. And I think you're right there. It does give another perspective because you're hearing other things from the people around you. Um, so uh, I think that as you said is is a good a good thing for you to give you new ideas well well thank you for that Francisco Uh, Hewitt you're on the spot now it's your turn because you also are an international student so tell us a little bit about yourself and so you know where are you from first and why study in Canada and at Queen's Okay, thank you, Colette. So I'm, uh, I'm from Ethiopia, found a beautiful country found in uh, Eastern Africa. Uh, they, they, and I'm saying this because there are people who think that Africa is like a country, but Africa is a continent. So yeah. <laughs> yes, very country. true. Very true. <laughs> yeah. So Ethiopia is found in Eastern Africa, a beautiful country, which I advise everybody just to get a chance to visit. Uh, so um, I, I came to Canada to do my PhD in 2018, uh, but before that, in 2017, I was, I was in Montreal for a short-term training, and also in the same, in the same year, I was in U.S. Uh, attending like short-term training. So in both, in both situations, I was sure that I would come back and do my PhD or my higher education because uh, for a long time, that was like my dream. Because mm-hmm. I, I went to learn about others. I went to learn about uh, other country cultures, education curriculum, everything. I need the exposure outside my, my country. So I was, I was searching uh, for scholarships and I got a scholarship with a MasterCard Foundation program. So I came here. When I came here, I came by myself. So I lived behind my husband and my oh, two kids. That's not easy. It was not easy. I, I thought I would I would manage it honestly when I come, but like in a couple of months I I was like paralyzed. I couldn't do it. So yeah. I invited my family. So they joined me. Yeah. So we are here. Uh, before we go on to your research topic, why does someone who goes through the process of doing juris doctorate and things end up wanting to go into more of the research side of law as opposed to practicing law? 
What made you choose the research way? Honestly, even uh, after I do my first degree and then I do my master's in international human rights law, but I can say like I only practice like for six, six months in right. Court. For me, law is not about uh, only all about litigation or, you know, like court or uh, those things. Uh, we can use this field to uh, advocate for human rights. And I'm, I'm passionate about advocating human rights, specifically uh, on rights of persons with disability. That's right. where like my education carer, my research carer all fall in one package. So, yeah, because my passion is more of uh, advocating for rights than actually practicing law. Okay, so tell us about that because you, you are looking at uh, the disability area with in specifically within Ethiopia. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, my research focuses on uh, assessing or investigating the uh, participation of person disability in lawmaking process in Ethiopia. I, I got interested to do this research, uh, this area, because uh, usually I, I, I was noticing that most of the legal research in Ethiopia focus on identifying a gap within a law and then recommending a like, possible way of amendment or repealing the law or enacting a new law. However, I always question why can't we make a law that best uh, addresses the needs of people with disability rather than like always just spending our money and resource and time mm-hmm. on amending laws. So when I, when I investigate that, I came across the idea of like participation of people with disability. So then I say like, yes, like everybody has to get a chance to participate in the decision decision making that concerns them. Uh, That's why like I'm saying, I'm questioning that do they participate in the lawmaking process? How is their participation? Uh, Is it up to the standards set by international laws? And and, uh, yeah, I'm just investigating that one. Well, it's brilliant. And I know, of course, we've just heard you do your three minute thesis. So <laughs> I had a bit of a heads up exactly what you're doing. So I'm thank you for some of, the, some of the phrases from there. Like I'm doing my CMT practice. <laughs> <laughs> See, it, it was worthwhile doing, wasn't it? <laughs> OK, so I said initially that you two were colleagues of mine in the office, which in fact that you are because you're both doing participating in a a program that's only been going two years this is the second year called the acronym is the QDIUA or Queen's Doctoral Internship for University Administration which is a bit of a mouthful so and of course different departments on campus have were able to I guess we were fighting at one stage for to getting our choosing our interns because we you know everyone had a chance to interview different different students and and then had to give our topics because we didn't get the the final decision but luckily we we got both of you so that was good for us so why did each of you want to be part of this program and perhaps uh, Francisco you could start and then tell us a little bit about what the program is okay the program is about giving doctoral students the opportunity to know how the university works in the administrative area to open a a career path for those students who are interested in in developing a career in a career in university administrations this program could be interesting because you know from the inside how the university works in different areas Mm -hmm. and so the first time i 
knew about this program was last year when they when you opened the program as a pilot program, and and at that, at that time I wanted to apply, but I needed to to focus also on my research and and so I decided not to do it at that time, but then in the for this second year for me it was a a great opportunity. I talked with my supervisor and and he encouraged me to participate in in this program and and I apply and I I am very happy that I am having this opportunity not only being part of the internship but also knowing great people within the school of graduate students and also uh, in other areas of the university that's great um and just to let everyone know, I didn't pay him a cent to say any of that. Uh, so what about you, Huert? What brought you to do this program? Um, somewhat similar with what uh, Francisco said. I, I believe the internship is a great opportunity for grad students, for doctoral students to get out of their academic bubble and try a, a, a new, a different setup. It's, it's a challenge, like it's a challenge to see if we actually could fit in the university administration system other than like the research or the academic career. And for me, like I said earlier, my passion is like working with people and meeting new people and actually getting the exposure of the administrative side was what I was looking for. But at the same time, I was also aiming to see uh, the, work, the working environment in Canada because I had uh, ample, ample of years work experience back home, but I don't have the experience here. So I went to see like how the working environment looks like in Canada. And right. I see it also from the perspective of building my network because I believe for grad students, that's really important for future career development or even for professional and academic development. So I, I see it as an opportunity of building my network, meeting new people, taking a new challenge and having the experience of the uh, university administrative working environment. I just love listening to all of that. It's just fabulous because, I mean, we couldn't write it up properly in the promotional plan. You, we just should get you guys to say it for us. So thank you for that. So, um, Francisco, so you're with the School of Graduate Studies and Postdoctoral Affairs, both of you are. Give us an example of what you are actually doing in, as part of this internship, because at the end of the day, departments ask for interns because we need certain things done, not just to have an opportunity for the students we also need things done too so so what have you been tasked to do during your internship we are developing a project it's very interesting because we are evaluating the the professional development programs organized by the SGSPA so and basically we are looking into career week and research week so career week is more focus on professional development beyond the academia. It could include the academia, but also other parts. Mm -hmm. And Research Week is about showcasing the, the research that grad students are developing here at Queen's. And, and I think both programs are essential. It doesn't matter if you are going to pursue an academic path or a path in a different area, being successful after your program is not just having good grades and doing a great research. 
obviously that is part of that. But all the students that are in our programs are great students. They, they, they are some of the best students in, in their fields uh, and they have high academic qualifications. But professional development is more than that. So I think that these two programs, Career Week and Research Week, give students the opportunities to develop those other skills and networking skills and that, that are necessary to, to open paths in, in, an, in an environment that is highly competitive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, but that is basically what we are doing. And, and we are doing uh, surveys, uh, interviews, focus group discussions with the students, but also with grad coordinators, and also doing uh, research about what other universities are doing. Uh, so, yeah, this is basically the, the project. Uh, that that's really good. We gave you those tasks, of course, because there were two areas that hit both areas: a bit academic and a bit professional, which is great. And uh, you know, we we can't say enough with with our students that when you're going through something like this, there's a lot you're learning. Yes, you're learning about your own specific field, but as you said, there's also these other skills you're learning along the way that you can you can transfer into something else. So it doesn't have to just be one channel. There's lot you've got lots of avenues, and being able to see those and uh, act on some of those can be uh, really good for you later on. And so, you know, the career development one is is really interesting, and I'll, I'm going to come back to that one in a minute. But in terms of the research one, which is all about showcasing our work, we know our students do some fabulous work here, but we want to hear about it. And so as a lot of you might know by now, because I bring this up all the time, we're currently running our three-minute thesis competition. And Hewitt was actually in um, in the competition in, in the first, first or second heat. I can't remember which one. It was one of those. I think it was the first heat. I think I asked you to go into the first heat because I needed to balance them out a little bit. So Hewitt... With that, why did why did you want to go and do the three minute thesis? Because it's not as simple as it looks. Why? Why is it hard question always? And it wasn't because um, I was I put your arm around your back and said you had to do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Honestly, honestly, I I was thinking to do it even last year, but you know, like you need to have some data on your hand. Uh, but this year, like the pushing factor for me to participate is. Now, uh, God's will, I'm in the, like, finishing my, my, my PhD, and I want, to, I want to taste myself, would I be able to put my, my thesis in three minutes? So, first, I thought it was, like, practically impossible, but then <laughs> I see videos of last year participants, and I see, like, okay, let me try it. So, it was more of, like, a challenge for me. Like, I was challenging myself to comprehend my research and put it in three minutes in three minutes, but not only three minutes, but in putting it in a plain language, like all audience out of my field can understand. It was it was a challenge I did for myself and another lens for me to see what my defense could look like. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't realize once they've done this, they, they, they go, that's actually reminded me, first of all, why I went and chose this topic, but it's also helped me reframe how I want to write about it because it's very easy to go off on all sorts of tangents, but eventually you've got to bring it back in, don't you, to finish off that thesis. So uh, hats off to you for, for uh, being in the competition this year. So thank you for that. 
And then on on the flip side of that, because that's all about showcasing research, the flip side of that is what we've been talking about of transferring the skills that we're learning as you're going through your degree to help in other areas. You know, the internship that you're both in right now is one of those because even though you're, you've come into it to learn more about the administrative side, you're still bringing in a lot to that internship, such as your, your skills in research and, uh, you know, doing focus groups and things like that and putting repo- a, a nice report together for us. It's a win-win for both of us on that. But then there's the other one program that we've talked about a bit before, which is the PhD Community Initiative. Again, using the skills that you've learned to help community partners. And I know, Hewitt, you're in that as well this year. What made you want to work with a community partner? It will take me to what I said in the very beginning. Like, I'm passionate about working with people. I love serving my community. And even if I'm not from Canada, community is all about where we live in. So I live here like almost five years now so I feel like I belong to the community mm-hmm. because I'm I'm living every day with these people so it's a chance for me to give back uh, but even m- more than that um, when I get the chance to work with uh, I, I'm working with a, an organization called Able2 it's a social uh, service oh, well, that, well that fits your uh, your thesis as well doesn't it for dis- exactly. um, people with disabilities exactly I was so happy so it's like a social support organization based mm-hmm. in Ottawa uh, aim of like supporting people with disabilities so I, it was my first choice so I was so happy when I gave my first choice so it's like putting my research my research skill in that project in order to help uh, people with disabilities so my main my main reason is uh, i want to give back to the community and but there is also another side i want to also build my cv because it's good to have a voluntary (laughs) experience in your cv so it's just a win-win situation on both sides i think one of our students last year who worked with able to is now on their board or something like that so it does open up different doors and things francisco i know you haven't done either of these two programs the 3mt or the phd community initiative but with your your area of social justice and things like that have you found other things that you could participate in or if you wanted to I mean that's I guess that's the first question because I know you know your own studies take up a lot of time actually I didn't apply for the PhD community initiative but I thought of applying to that as well right the reason I didn't apply was because at the end I have limited time yes and right now I am doing many things I am teaching uh, I am, I am part of this internship. I am also part of a research project in cultural diplomacy. Right. Uh, and I am writing my thesis or trying to write my thesis. <laughs> yeah. So we've got to and give you the time to do family that. And my kids. So mm-hmm. at some point, you need to you need to prioritize and to. Yeah. There are great opportunities. You cannot try to take them all. What I learned from this is there is always time to do more than your own academic job. And and it doesn't mean lower the quality of your research or your commitment to to your own program. Uh, I think that 
it is very easy to think that way and to say, I need to do an excellent academic job, so I'm going to focus only on this. In my personal view, that is a mistake. The right. university gives you many different opportunities to, to expand your work in other areas. And, and those other activities also help you to, to do better your academic job. So I guess yeah. that's the, the comment I have on, on this. No, and, and that's, uh, that's really well said, Francisco, because I think one of the things when, when we first get students come in, it, you know, we, we, first of all, we throw all sorts of things at them and saying, oh, there's all these opportunities. But you're right, you do have to think about what is right for you at what time. I think what we need to do better of just saying, these are the opportunities. Now figure out when it is the best time for you, as opposed to saying, no, you should be doing it now, now, you should be doing it all. No, you don't need to do it all, but you need to be selective of what's going to help you in whatever you want to do next. Or you may not know what you want to do next, but this could help if I, I if I choose something like that. So, so very well said. Um, and, and it's also, like you said, finding balance. Now, you both have families which is lovely that you've got a family, but that comes with a commitment as well because you can't forget your families. So what do you both do to have fun with your families to be, be able to, I mean, how much time are you able to put aside to say, come on kids or what, or, or my partner, come on, let's, let's go and have some fun. You know, this is mom or dad of, you know, the, the books are down. I'm fully concentrating on you right now. What do you do for, for, for a bit of fun? I wish uh, I wish my kids didn't hear this question because they they will ask me like oh, okay we need to hear that <laughs> I love it <laughs> your secret so I try to balance I kind of say that I always succeed but usually previously I used to work at home my research I was like not giving time for them but then my daughter she's so smart one day she asked me like. Like, when are you going to give us time? Like, we need to ha we need to have fun with you. And then it, it just clicked me and I say like, okay, no more no more schoolwork at home. So right. uh, most of the time I try, I, I work in campus or I work at home usually. But then once they come from school and then they have a rest and then I try to not to open my laptop and try to be with them. It's not as I, as I want it to be. But sometimes uh, it's temporary. So usually in summer we try to travel. Nice. Last, last year we go to Niagara Falls and Ottawa, Montreal. So we try to balance it with the summer. But it's not easy task, as I know. But you, you're doing remarkably well. So well done. And what about you, Francisco? We, we spend a lot of time with my kids. Uh, in, and it's not new. It's something that has been part of our life. So when, when my wife and I decided to, to start our family, actually, we went to live to Chiapas. And, and the reason we went there was because we wanted to the opportunity of not only during the weekends or in, in holidays, spending time with, with our kids, but every day. Mm -hmm. so, so for us, even there, my wife and I had great responsibilities at work, and maybe sometimes we work 50, 60, 70 hours per week because in Mexico it's like that. But still, we spend lots of time with my children. So, for instance, here I go two or three days per week with them to, to the climbing gym. 
we love right. climbing, so we do it. That is part of our daily routine. Uh, sometimes we climb in, um, also during the weekends outside in, in when, when the weather allows to do it. Uh, <laughs> if not, and in the summer, or, or we swim a lot in, in the lake. We go at least once or sometimes twice per week to do some hiking. In, there are many places here, so yeah, we're very lucky. Um, and when we have the chance, we go to skiing or trying something. When, when we can hear someone give us an advice, and he told us, if you want to to enjoy the your life in Canada, you need to say yourself that you like the winter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the second is you need to go out all the time because if you stay in your home that's the worst thing you can do and yeah. then you have the opportunity you need to break the winter and go back to mexico to the to right the beach. yes that's <laughs> so true we have been following that advice for the first two we need to go to the beach <laughs> but, there you go but but we love the 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 weather and and we do activities outside all the time we also walk our dogs twice per day so yeah that's so those nice. are the kinds of, of activities well you both have done remarkably well of studying extracurricular sort of things and i always say this family always comes first in my opinion and you've managed to be able to do all of that. So kudos to both of you. And I do thank you very much for coming on the show today. This is another learning experience, as I say. I hope you enjoyed being on today. Yes, thank you so much, Colleen, for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Great. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of a Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or CFRC Podcast. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.